Hello, it's Kerry and Rachel. Rachel, what are you doing? You got all the good words. <laughs> Welcome to Dirty Vegetables, a podcast where we discuss hot topics in the vegan world, exposing the dirt on animal industries and sharing our complete adoration for vegetables. 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 Hello! <laughs> that was really loud. <laughs> okay. Hello, everyone. <laughs> right, right, I'm actually going to say. Hello, and welcome back to Dirty Vegetables. Today's episode is called Stranded on a Desert Island Again. We're going to be talking about experiences that we have as vegans and that we have come across where people put you in unlikely scenarios and we're going to be talking a lot about our personal experiences today and hopefully we can all connect over the weird and wonderful things that we've been asked and questioned on. But before we get into it as always we'll do a little check-in. How are you doing Rachel? Where are you in the van? I, I love finding out where you are in the map. <laughs> um, Hello everyone and it feels like it's been a long time since we recorded an episode. Not to you guys because you'll get them all in one place. <laughs> what am I trying to say? I'm going to keep that. Um, but for us, we've taken a couple of weeks out because we've both been quite busy. But I am in Sweden um, at a yoga retreat called Shambhala. Been here for three weeks and super enjoying it. There's been so many retreats that have come through that I've been able to participate in. And I'm part of a karma yogi, karma yoga community of people that are volunteering here. And it feels like a little family. We're nestled in nature. We're literally in the middle of the forest with a lake. There's a sauna at the end of a pier. And then you jump out of the sauna into the freezing cold lake. It's wonderful. And it's just so beautiful here. And yeah, I'm loving it. I love Sweden. And I have some exciting updates. Dun, 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 dun. So I've actually been offered a job here. Ah! Oh my God, unreal. As a yoga teacher? Kind of indirectly, yeah. So they asked me if I would be the winter manager here and stay here until the end of April. Wow. So I'll be teaching teaching yoga to the volunteers, but I'll also be managing all the operations of this place, which feels really exciting. That's amazing. (laughs) That's amazing. Thank you. How cool. What a cool place to be and work. Wow. I know. I'm feeling great about it. It feels like a perfect manifestation. Things that I was starting to really crave, like a bit of structure and responsibility, but wanting to rejoin the working world in a meaningful way that's kind of spiritual and to do with yoga and has similar ethics to me. It's all come together in this perfect little nugget and it accommodates both me and Octavian. We're going to be given this tiny home that we can live out of. We get vegan, vegan gluten-free food provided, three meals a day. It's just wonderful. Um, And yeah, I get to join in with so much yoga and then I'll get to have a bit of responsibility again. Um, Having a job, I've been out of work for quite a while now, so it feels good it feels really good I'm feeling excited about it well fuck you because (laughs) so happy for you Rachel really really truly happy and I cannot get a friggin job (laughs) that's my that's my situation right now I just no someone hire me I'm brilliant like I've got skills dripping off me (laughs) like hire me but no, I'm here in Edinburgh and uh, you didn't ask how I was, but I'll, I'll just tell you. Um, yeah, I'm feeling very out of sync. I feel like I need some of that, what you've got, that beautiful nature. I'm just like, I actually feel, we were just talking before we started this podcast, we were talking about people in Britain being so negative and like connecting over negativity. I feel so negative at the minute. <laughs> I feel like I am just like, nah, doesn't that doesn't matter, that doesn't matter, can't be bothered with that, blah, blah, blah. What, what, what is this? What is this out of sync? It's not like me, and I'm so jealous of you. <laughs> so yeah, I need, I need a job. Hopefully by the next yeah. podcast we record, I will be in a good position. But, um, but yeah, yeah. You have to, you have Life. to embrace your shadow self. 
at the moment you're just having a phase of allowing the shadow to come through a bit more but that's also beautiful welcome it in with open arms and accept and embrace the negativity and deepen your spiritual practice through yoga and meditation and daily rituals and manifestation is real something will come up the perfect job will just land itself in your lap i'm sure of it Obviously, you need to put work into. Don't just visualize and sit back and eat a sandwich. But it mm. will come. It will come. I'm sure of it. There's no way you're not going to get a job. See, so, do you know what I think? I think that when you're feeling crap, like I am right now, it's mm-hmm. so hard to do those spiritual things. Like I have been so out of sync with doing yoga. I've been so out of the vibe of doing yoga recently, and that happens when I am just yeah. feeling crap it should be the other way around when I'm feeling great about myself I'm flipping doing yoga every day I'm like eating healthy and just not that I'm eating unhealthy now but like you've got all yeah. the good things going on you keep doing the good things anyway <laughs> sorry to bring you all down with me <laughs> no, but it's real life real talk we're not always real gonna talk. be on top of the world I'm on the uh, top of the world looking down on creation and the only <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't remember any of the other words. I don't think anyone does, to be fair. <laughs> it's all gonna come it's all gonna figure itself out, Carrie. I'm so sure of it. It's gonna be fine. Fingers crossed. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Buckwheat. Buckwheat. Okay, so the dirty ingredient of the week this week is metaphorical drum roll, please. Buckwheat. <laughs> I love buckwheat now. It's an ingredient that I never used to deal with in any capacity at all. In fact, I didn't really know what it was. But now, being at Shambhala, they use it all the time in the kitchen. And when I'm on breakfast shift, I make buckwheat yogurt. So we soak whole buckwheat overnight and then we blend it with bananas and berries in the morning, a little bit of plant milk. And then it creates this yogurt. It's absolutely revolutionary. I did not know how versatile this grain was. We also use it for gluten-free bread because it's a strictly gluten-free kitchen. So they use buckwheat for bread a hell of a lot here too. Um, And I'm just, it's just opened my mind to grains in general and how vegans often talk about, like especially whole food vegans will talk about the importance of grains. And I think I finally, that message has finally hit home for me and I get it. And using whole grains, and there's so many to choose from, like quinoa, different types of rice, buckwheat, millet, couscous, bulgur wheat the list goes on can't think of any more at the moment they're so good for you and they're so versatile and you can use them for so many things and we just have these massive sacks of them in the cellar and we use different ones for every meal so yeah buckwheat and just to mention a little bit about its origins so buckwheat also known also known as kasha in eastern europe is a pseudo cereal which means a crop with an end use like a cereal but it's not in the grass family that was first planted as a crop in China 5,000 to 6,000 years ago, and currently Russia and China are the largest producers of buckwheat. Uh, so yeah, uh-huh. I've spoken about how we use it, and maybe you, Keza, could talk about the nutrition and the health benefits. So first of all, I have never cooked buckwheat. <laughs> the dirty ingredient of the week initially was this ingredient that we both like really can't live without, but it's clear Rachel has picked this one. <laughs> I have had a packet of buckwheat in my cupboard for probably four years and I haven't used it once. Yogurt. It's probably long, long out of date, but um so buckwheat, yeah, what is it? I'm not sure, but I'm very curious right now. I'll have to hook it out. When we moved over from um, Belfast, we just brought this big box of like everything in the cupboard. So (laughs) I think it's in there. Well, buckwheat is packed with loads of nutritional value. Um, Manganese, magnesium, phosphorus, niacin, zinc, folate and vitamin B6. So it's full of good, good stuff. And it's quite low calories. Um, It's also got um, six grams of protein and one gram of fat per cup. And it's really good for your health, really good for reducing blood pressure and preventing cancer and good for your muscles as well because of the protein in it. So I think it's something I I ought to try. You said some other grains are like millet. I've got a bag of that too. I've never opened. (laughs) 
and oh, I like bulgur. I would use bulgur quite a lot, but not the others. For tabbouleh. Yeah. Well, it's more couscous, no? Bulgur wheat's normally used for tabbouleh. I used to say tabbouleh, but people corrected me here quite passionately. (laughs) So apparently you say tabbouleh. Tabbouleh, yeah. That's like a Middle Eastern sort of Mm -hmm. thing. With lots of veggies and parsley and pomegranate and stuff. Yeah. But grains in general, every morning here for breakfast, we'll have just a different grain that's been turned into like a porridge. So there'll be quinoa porridge, millet Mm. porridge, bulgur wheat porridge, rice porridge. It's funny you said that because I had porridge today for the first time in about a year. (laughs) Winter's coming. (laughs) (laughs) An oat porridge I had today. Classic. Don't forget oat porridge. (laughs) (laughs) Good point. (laughs) Starting off with our first point, um, and this point is revolving around the theme of common arguments debunked. And we want to start with the one that the title of this episode is inspired by, which is the desert island argument. Often people will say something along the lines of, imagine if you were stranded on a desert island and there wasn't any fruits or vegetables or anything you could eat apart from a roaming animal, let's say a pig. Would you eat that? And if so, does that make you no longer a vegan? So this is a big eye roll and sigh argument for reasons first of all have you ever been asked this kind of more of a survival situation if you had to eat it for survival or kind of like you're not vegan because if you're in a survival situation you would eat meat so it like you can't say you're a hundred percent kind of like it poised like that i've been asked this loads of times in various forms and other things that we'll talk about as the episode goes on yeah, first of all, the, the question itself is a bit of a red herring, which is used to discredit the sort of the purpose of veganism. So it's essentially su- suggesting that if a vegan would eat meat to survive on the said desert island, then veganism is clearly impossible or unrealistic. And therefore reducing veganism to one simple scenario which is extremely unlikely because I've actually never met anyone who's been stranded on a desert island so rather than looking at like everyday situations of what a vegan would actually face and the challenges they might face they'll look at something completely ridiculous just to throw you off guard a bit and to make you sort of question your choices a bit as well everyday situation versus unrealistic scenario Yeah, and just to add on to that, if I truly was dying of starvation and stuck on a desert island, I think I'd be tempted to eat even more than just an animal. If there was a dead human next to me, I'm pretty sure I'd be tempted to eat that too. If you're about to die, you'll do anything. But we're not in life or death situations every day, and therefore this is such a frustrating argument to make, because it probably applies to other things, like if you were put in life or death situation and forced to do anything you would probably do it in order to try and save your life yeah i mean of course of course you would like if like hammer your cut your foot off i'm thinking about that saw film i'm sorry if this is a graphic (laughs) warning everyone but in 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 saw this scary movie uh, this isn't a spoiler it's just one scene a guy is um, chained by his foot to a wall and the only way he can escape is by sawing his foot off and he does it to escape obviously this is a fictional film but that could actually happen people would do that if it's either I'm going to stay here and die or I can cut my foot off to survive pretty sure they'd cut their foot off and I'm pretty sure I would eat a pig a dead human or dirt in but order that to actually did happen. Wasn't there a guy who was climbing a mountain, like Everest or something, and he got stuck with frostbite? frostbite. Yeah, and then he had to cut, I think he had to cut his arm off because he got like trapped or something. Uh, I'm not sure, but it's highly likely. Yeah, I think there people- is. It was, a re- it was actually a really good film. It was like a fictional film, but like, no, not a fictional film. It was like based on a true story. A, re-enact- a reenactment of a re- true story. Sure. Yeah, yeah. But it, the the thing that also is stupid about that argument is that if there was an animal, say a pig, on a desert island, what's the pig eating? Like, yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. how could there be a pig on a desert island? 
with no like fruits or vegetables like that just doesn't make sense that's very true but and it's probably more likely that the pig would try to eat you rather than you try to eat the pig (laughs) (laughs) especially if there was nothing on the island okay moving on another argument that's often directed towards uh vegans is kind of around the preternatural inclinations this is a new word that i learned recently which is basically that um that we're preternaturally inclined to eat meat as we've been doing it since tribes and hunters and gatherers um so therefore because we've been doing it since the dawn of day and um all recorded history of humans have been eating meat therefore it's natural it's in our human instincts and it's something that we should do but to that i think a clear counter argument to that is that there's all sorts of things that we are inclined to do that through um progress and evolution and time passing we have let go of for example we no longer watch people get mauled by ferocious animals in front of a live audience for entertainment nor do we perform lobotomies with pickaxes offer humans as offerings smoke on planes burn witches and so we do not so we don't basically we do not appease our every urge and for example take a number two in the middle of the street when the need strikes or pour buckets of our number two out of the window like they did in victorian times so we've become far more civilized and we can continue to become more civilized as we learn and adapt and see the consequences of our actions we can change and yeah and i think a lot of people often look at animals and think well animals eat meat therefore i should be able to eat meat but there's lots of things that animals do that we would never do they torture predators will often torture their prey they'll play with them for a while before they finally die they'll rape they'll um, play with their own excrement they'll do all sorts of things that we wouldn't do so this kind of yeah this instinct argument i find very very frustrating and also just to to go a little bit further with that and we touched on this bigly when bigly we touched on this a lot when we did our biology episode is that um we we don't have the same bodies as like predators and we are eating meat and other foods in processed highly processed plastic packaging with that we can choose in refrigerated shelves in supermarkets so really um like we're not we don't have the instincts to try and hunt down an animal and use our bare hands and teeth to try and kill it so yeah i think that's all i've got to say on that (laughs) any points to make (laughs) any points to make (laughs) no yeah i think you know people just hear these arguments and they'll throw it back at you like they'll just try and put you in a situation that makes you feel like you're you're feeling <laughs> because people don't want you to succeed in something like that especially something that they apparently feel so passionate about but I find a really funny article um online it's in the New Yorker actually and it's called okay but would you still be vegan in these scenarios which I just made up <laughs> Um, and one of them I'll just read out a couple because they're like really funny Um, so one of them is what if you were in an escape room and one of the puzzles required you to eat through a wall of meat to win and what if in the event of losing more animals would be killed than it took to produce the meat wall (laughs) (laughs) what would you do I'll read out another one because it's quite funny what if an animal was doing improv and pretending to be a carrot when it died? Would you deny the animal's base reality by refusing to eat it, even though it was extremely committed to its carrot character? Or would you play along like a good scene partner and yes, and the whole carrot thing? <laughs> it's just like you can make up anything. Like, I find it quite funny. And I. You know, it's just funny when people ask this because they just don't know what else to say. It's like they don't have actual like facts of any argument, so they just they use this. It's yeah, that's a great article. Fun. We'll link it in the show notes so that you guys can read more if you wish, <laughs> and you can answer them as well. A fun, a fun quiz. Okay, so moving on to our next point, we're going to talk about obstacles in the vegan journey to enlightenment um so basically things that stopped us from becoming vegan or obstacles that we had on the way or things challenged us 
So one thing that really sticks out to a lot of vegans, I think, is family and friends not understanding it, not knowing what to cook for you or just general reactions. I think in another episode, we talked about family and my family were all like really chill about it. I was surprised. I was expecting a backlash, but I didn't really get one. Friends, to be honest, my friends weren't like, they weren't really weird about it. I think they kind of expected it a lot of the time, but knowing what to cook for you is another thing because people just don't know what to cook as if it's some obscure diet that like no one's ever heard of so I've had friends make things like chilies and stuff or like just like a vegan burger and chips simple things like that but no one's really made anything obscure for me what about you No, I don't think anyone's made anything obscure for me, but my family definitely felt completely dumbfounded at what to prepare for me when I first became vegan. And what happens now is that um, often when me and Octavian are um, at home, we'll we'll often eat different dishes, which I actually don't like very much. Like me and Octavian will have something and my mum and dad will have something. And that kind of happens at his house as well. His mum will prepare something that we can eat, whereas everyone else will have a slightly different variation with meat in it because you can't have a meal without meat. It's just not a meal. (laughs) So, yeah, I think they were dumbfounded and they still continue to be because it's not that they're like, okay, well, we'll all just eat vegan then. It's still a block of, okay, that's just something you're going to do, but I'm not going to do that unless I cook if I cook I make everyone eat the same thing and I often pleasantly surprise them with my dishes and they're like wow I didn't know vegan food could be this good um but I think like some an obstacle that I struggled with was just feeling like a bit of a hassle and I don't know I went through a real phase of doing dinner parties with friends um in Edinburgh and I would just feel awkward and I, th- I think it took me a while to fully appreciate that this isn't just me being pernickety and fussy which is what I think I associated it with for a little while feeling like I was the fussy difficult one that was a bit of a nightmare to have over, over for dinner and instead reframe it as this is a kind of collective conscious choice that is far exceeds me I'm doing something for the greater good of humanity and for the animal kind as well so and for the environment and other reasons so it's just yeah I think it took me a while to reframe that in my own mind like and I would feel awkward asking for the vegan menus on on a menu vegan menus on a menu vegan options on a menu that would make me feel awkward yeah and then I think another big obstacle that I I struggled was just there were certain foods that I just craved and I'm sure we've mentioned this before but like I just couldn't stop thinking about certain foods and it was really really hard to give them up and the biggest ones for me were Nando's chicken and fish in terms of sushi mostly I loved sushi I still do but I have vegan now and um cheese certain cheeses cheese on a pizza blah 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 couldn't I really really struggled to give them up and I think that that took me a while before I could say that I was completely vegan because I would I would go back to these foods sometimes yeah, with the cooking for family, it's actually really refreshing because where I'm staying at the minute with Tim's family, like they're often we will just cook for everyone and it's really refreshing. I love seeing what they think of it and they they don't always eat the same as us. Like sometimes they'll have their own thing, we'll have our own thing or we'll eat at different times or whatever, but it's I really like cooking for other people. But I also think we just love cooking, right? Mm-hmm. So both of us, me and you, Rachel, love cooking so it's like easier for us to like let's say someone came over and they had like a random allergy an allergy to vegetables or something right (laughs) we would be like oh my god what are we going to cook them but we would be quite sort of excited to make something because we love cooking Mm -hmm. but I feel like more recently I've seen the other side of it like people not everyone likes to cook yeah I don't understand why myself but people don't like to cook so if you don't like cooking you're not going to be eager to find this amazing recipe that's vegan. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because it's it's not exciting to you and it's not, if you're really bad at cooking, like if you just can't get it right, then you're just going to be like, oh, I'm just going to mess that up. It's going to be awful, blah, blah, blah. So I do, I do get why some people don't want to. But generally, like 
if I'm going around to a friend's house, I just, just like keep it easy. I don't care. Like if you're feeding me anything, I'm, I'm really grateful. Like I don't care if it's something spectacular. Like I remember, I think the first friend that cooked me something was my friend Lindsay and she made like a chili or something. And it was so nice. It was just like a veggie chili. Unreal. I was like, oh, thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> so kind. Um, but actually on my birthday last year, so many people made me like vegan cakes and all. And I was so like happy. Like my sister made me this big, she'd never made a vegan cake before. And it was a big sponge cake and it had like raspberries all over it. And she'd made like vegan buttercream and it was oh. unreal. Mm. Like, honestly, I wasn't even just saying that. Like I didn't have the highest expectations. She's never done it before, but it was so nice. And then one of my friends made me like a, what do you call that like strudel apple strudel oh, yeah. as well and it's just like when people make that effort I really really appreciate it you know just yeah. like making you something like that like don't I don't care about you buying something like but if you make something wow yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah especially if you're not comfortable cooking vegan like if someone cooks for me I just I think that's the most joyous gift <laughs> you can give someone because it's like such a special thing to cook for people and eat together it's an expression so it's of nice love when, yeah it, it really is they all say that in like the cooking programs like you will know if this is made with love like oh my god you can feel it oh my god you can do feel you it. think you can yeah do you actually think you can or are you just like sensing it or like no i think you can and i'm prepared to give an example there's like different there's different teams so like all of us have different times where we cook and we work in the kitchen here which is actually a lot of fun I love making vegan food in such big quantities for everyone um so yeah we have a variety of kitchen shifts and some of us it's not that there's any tension but some of us just work far more smoothly and we seem to be able to understand each other's flow and we just seem to tap into which eat what each other need and what would be most helpful to do and it's just so much smoother with some people that are cooking together and if they and especially if they've got a really good relationship as well and there's lots of positivity in the kitchen and people have been singing or dancing and other people it's just not quite the same like it's just doesn't flow quite as smoothly and the the finished product is of the same standard in terms of the ingredients used and the creativity put into it and the quality of the food like if you were doing a quality assurance they would both pass but you can taste the difference like you can feel the love. You can feel the harmony in some versus others. You like you really, 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 really can to the point that so many people comment on it. But do you think yeah. that's because people are just happier in that happier environment, and though, and so they are happier when they're eating it because they've had a better experience, yeah. and that's why it tastes better. Yeah. No, because it's not because it's only the chefs cooking it, but the volunteers and the guests are more complimentary on the more harmonious kitchen days which might seem really obvious well obviously that's the case because it flowed better but it's hard to explain the finished product looks the same it's not like some food tastes better than others Mm. but you there's a different feeling you get when you eat it i'd love to put it to the test i don't know because i'm in my negative vibe at the minute i'm like yeah right (laughs) yeah right good energy whatever (laughs) but also like not wanting to cause a hassle I still feel that a bit sometimes and you probably don't because you're surrounded with vegans all the time. Yeah. But I think when you're not, there is that sort of, I don't know, guilt that you're causing Oh, you're effort. vegan. You know, like even, yeah. I'll give you an example. So a, co- a few weeks ago, it was, I think I might've spoke about this before, but Tim's sister was having her husband's party in the house and it was, it was like a birthday party. And no one there was vegan apart from me. But I wasn't expecting them to like... There were buying like snacks for everyone and we just nibbles. I wasn't expecting them to get me anything. And she came back with like a vegan... Essentially a vegan cheese board. Like all little vegan treats. Um, She got Mm. me my own vegan cake. Because I wasn't going to eat the birthday cake that was there. I was like oh my god how kind is that like I was not expecting that like I I remember saying like oh I'm gonna have to eat lunch before this because 
there's not going to be anything vegan there because it was all like meat boards and like cheeses and and the like and I was just like wow that's so nice like to do that but even at that I was thinking about that in advance like I felt like oh this is going to be awkward if everyone's eating and I'm just kind of standing there I'm just gonna have to just yeah drink loads you see a lot of these memes like on these vegan pages about like oh what's at the vegan party that I can eat and it's just like a bottle of vodka (laughs) and it's like that's the only thing so I guess I'm getting drunk again tonight (laughs) yeah no it's yeah it sounds like your love language is food like you're very touched is that a love language I don't know but I think it should be if it's not like you're really (laughs) or maybe that falls into like a subset of acts of service I have done I've done that quiz before actually quite recently I can't remember what I got though touch I'm gonna do it I'm gonna do it again I don't know I'm words of so it's like words of affirmation touch acts of service but I think maybe within acts of service there's probably like food in capital letters and I think that's you you're very touched by food gestures I am. Yeah, I think act. Maybe I did get that. I think I got a uh, actually a joint answer. So it was like acts of service and something else. But it wasn't words of affirmation. Maybe touch. I think there's one more, but I can't remember what it is. Quality time was my other one. I think that was maybe my biggest one, and then acts of service. But yeah, definitely food. <laughs> like. I feel like that is such a basis of maybe that's just me a basis of a relationship to enjoy food together do you know what I mean yeah like even I love going out for a coffee (laughs) you know just going out for a coffee with someone like I love not even someone myself like just those wee things are so important to my existence (laughs) well it's really prioritized in the Nordic countries they call it fika f-i-k-a and it's a th- it's a really 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 common practice to pe- for people to go out for a cinnamon bun and a cappuccino in the afternoon and to catch up with a friend or to go on their own. It's like a huge thing, kind of like how in Italy you have aperitivo, which is um, between lunch and dinner. In these countries, everyone goes out in the afternoon for coffee and cake. Fika. That's weird. You said cinnamon bun. I keep seeing things about cinnamon buns. Yeah, there's a new there's a new place opened in London, which is a vegan cinnamon bun shop, and that's all it sells. Oh, oh my gosh, I want to go to London. I, I, th- I saw one recently, like another cinnamon bun. Like I've never, I feel like I've never seen these before, really. And then recently, I saw another one in the shop, and it was vegan as well. They're one of the best cakes ever. Ever, 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 ever. Nah, very the best cake ever. Like, one of the. <laughs> I said. It's- <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't even go that far as to say one of the... Oh, come on. They're, like, warm. <laughs> they're, like, warm and gooey yeah, and nice. sweet and spicy. They're and... nice. But they're not, like, the best things ever happened. Name, name a better vegan cake to have a coffee in the afternoon. Vegan cake, like, just any... Well, I suppose like any a pastry. can be vegan. A pastry. Like, yeah. What you'd buy in a coffee shop. Probably, like, a pan au chocolat. Oh. <laughs> no. or a chocolatine if you're from Quebec oh no that's I'm... what they call why why are you why are you anti no I mean I love like come on like I would eat that with absolute gusto but I don't think I, I don't think, think of any other better. pastry I can't think of any other pastry pan au chocolat I prefer an almond strudel myself oh uh, yeah yeah that's good <laughs> anyway back to the theme tangent <laughs> Um, another another couple of common obstacles that um, one of them I think we have faced, but the other one we're very lucky that we haven't, are vegan existential crises and relationships. So starting with the existential crisis, yeah, I think this kind of happens that like, you learn so much about d- the doom and gloom of the world, the horrific things that are going on and the horrific consequences and then you kind of reach this point of, can this really be the case? Is this really what's happening? And you almost don't want to believe it. And then you wonder, you worry that you're being too extreme with your vegan beliefs. And you kind of doubt it a bit at the start, I think. Because it just, it's this crazy, like, light switch moment where all of a sudden you're re- exposed to this whole 
underbelly of horrificness that makes you question the human race and our ethics as a human race basically um so yeah i think that's a big obstacle for people fully committing it's almost like they'd rather keep blind to it that's cognitive dissonance as well they'd rather go to the um the comforting lies rather than the unpleasant truths but to be fair right with that not not can not considering veganism just in general i think we all run away from a lot of it you know what i mean like a lot of people i know would be very into like i mean sort of conspiracy theories but a lot of it is just the reality of what's going on but if you dig deep enough like the world just gets worse and worse like there's so much shit going on like in so many different countries there's so many awful wars and like even when I was doing like my master's was on conflict and just hearing like learning about all these different things going on I think including veganism and any situation you can only listen to so much of it or you'll literally go insane like even with with the vegan thing a lot of the time I don't read the articles about factory farming or watch all the documentaries like I don't want to know it all I know what's going on but like I don't want to know all of the details all of the time because I think if you can really overdo yourself on that yeah if you're just absorbed in all the negative aspects of that and that's why I like like in this podcast, I feel like we talk about those things because they're important, but it's also important to talk about the good parts of veganism and the delicious food and the communities you can have with it rather than falling into that pit of despair, which I think yeah. is probably quite easy to fall into with veganism and otherwise. I, yeah, I think that's such a nice point. And I think it often leads to this outrage phase which I really was in for a while probably last year and maybe even the year before that that I was just furious I was so angry and I would get really triggered in debates um because it was just yeah I was just so outraged all the time with stuff I learned um so I think it's important to kind of shift your focus and instead of being so disappointed and heartbroken at the world you can instead make an incredible vegan taco <laughs> and and do Easy. your activism through that just activate like through your like taco. gaz oakley we haven't we have we haven't mentioned gaz yet on this episode i'm pretty sure he's he's mentioned on every episode so gaz oakley's youtube channel great you great vegan recipes to get inspired great tacos. <laughs> avant-garde vegan you always talk about him but i've never actually made any of his recipes i think one one of them and it didn't turn out very well so it was my own fault so I, I've actually got his Christmas book. Maybe I'll crack that open this um, this year. Yeah, you should. I think he's a genius and I really like him a lot. And I hope one day we can get him on the podcast. Speaking of which, we're going to come back to the relationship point in just a moment. But this oh, yes. crazy synchronicity occurred, which I texted um, Kerry about. Just after we recorded our Lab Coat Cow episode, I arrived here at Shambhala and there's a guy here, Um, he's left now, highly educated individual went to oxford university is a is a philosophy professor at ucla um and owns an investment fund firm fund not sure which word there and he was talking about um future meats and mossa meats and just lab-grown meat in general and was talking about how he's made huge investment into um i believe it's future meats and he's good friends with the founder of it and it was just this crazy, like, what the, f- what the, ah, how is this? And he's like, oh, I could get him on your podcast. I, he would give you five minutes of his time. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what? So you never know. Watch this space. We might have the founder. Have you kept in touch with him? I've got his contact, yeah. So we might get the founder of one of these meat technologies on the podcast. And if that happens, then maybe we could get Gaz on as well. <laughs> wow like that is really weird like because you don't hear about that that often Mm -hmm. in fact no one ever talks to me about that I know apart from you (laughs) it's just create synchronicity galore yeah no that's amazing I'm telling you it's something to invest in see if I had a whole big bank of money waiting to go that's what I'd be investing in right now yeah let me tell you yeah it's gonna explode with your man um 
But yeah, back to、um, the obstacles for veganism. Yeah, this is a common one that I hear a lot. People will say, "Well, I was vegan for a while, but it was really difficult because I was vegan, but my boyfriend or my girlfriend wasn't, and then it became too awkward at meal times because we were eating different things and we were buying different things, and in the end, I gave it up and I went back to the meat." I hear that a lot, and I think that's a big obstacle, and it poises the question.、Um, Can you actually be in a relationship with someone if you're a vegan and they're not a vegan? Well, Tim's not vegan; he's vegetarian, so it's not as bad. I mean, it, well, essentially he eats cheese and he's he's gone back to the eggs. Like, do you remember I said he didn't really eat eggs? But it's because we're in this house, so there's always eggs there, you know. And when something's in your sight, you'll probably go for it more. But um. We all, we always cook vegan together though, so it it doesn't change anything for me. But I think that would be quite hard if you were with a meat eater. I remember like I've known some friends who have been vegan and their like boyfriend hasn't been, and I just it's the fact that they would just cook this meat and it wouldn't bother the other person. Like I can't imagine kissing someone who's just at a big beef burger. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I think that would really turn me like not into that. Nah. What do you think? Yeah, I think I've reached the point now, and I'm not kind of like shying away from saying it that it would be a deal breaker. I would only be with people who are also vegan, and I feel so so grateful that Octavian and I both had the same decision at the same time, and we've both stuck to it、um, because it's a huge part of my identity and it's a huge part of my everyday life. And I think it says a lot about a person's compassion and environmental consciousness and similar values. And I just, yeah, I just don't. I it is it is a deal breaker now for me.、Um, and I'm just really grateful that I've not had to be faced with that that issue. But there is actually there's vegan、mm. dating apps now for people. Yeah, yeah. I was just thinking that I've seen、mm. that advertised. Also, like, yeah, it is. If it's something that is a big part of your morality, whether it's veganism or not, if someone doesn't align with your morals, it's probably not going to work out, right? If someone's like conservative and you're labor, it's going to be a hard one, right? <laughs> even、yeah. if it's like something like that, political. Yeah, or even or even religious. If you went from the same religious beliefs, that that would probably be a deal breaker. It's argued that veganism is actually kind of a religion for our generation because there's a big void that's been left behind in society now that religion is less and less、um, a common narrative in people's lives. But veganism is kind of filling that void, and it's this structure that unites people and taps into their everyday life choices and sense of identity.、Um, I actually read a fact today that twenty percent of sixteen to twenty-four year olds are vegan. Twenty percent. I don't know if I believe it or not, but I hope it's true because that's a fifth. That's pretty good. That's like a high percentage, especially compared to like us being like sixteen. You know.、Mm. Finally, we're just going to talk a little、yeah. bit more about our experiences because that's what we're doing today, and、um, just different situations that we have actually been in and. Things have materialized as an argument. Maybe Rachel, do you want to go first? Yeah. So just to start this off, I wanted to say that I used to before I felt kind of armed with knowledge because knowledge is power.、Um, I used to get super triggered, and I'd find it really hard to eloquently make a point. Or decide to step away from a conversation about veganism if it was getting challenged,、um, and I would just get really angry and my blood would boil and I wouldn't be able to express myself properly. And that's got a lot better with time. So I'm just putting it out there: if you're a new vegan and you're really struggling with these clashing conversations, that I think that's quite normal. And the more you learn about it. Um, and the more you feel the the benefits of living that lifestyle, the easier it is to clearly express yourself or realize that you don't have to explain yourself to anyone. Sometimes I think that I have to, and I actually don't. I can just walk away and not engage. But having said that, here are some things that have happened to me or arguments that have been made towards me that I really struggle with. Or observations I've made that I really struggled to wrap my head around. One thing that really triggers me is people declaring that it is that it is their personal choice to eat meat. This really annoys me. People often say that it's personal. It's up to me. I I'm eating it. I get to decide. It's my individual choice. But it's not. Veganism affects、um, 
so much more than our own little egocentric existence. It affects the environment, it affects health, which is something that we should all be concerned about, public health, and it affects animals. So you deciding to eat that chicken, fish, eggs, whatever, it's, it isn't just you, it's not personal. Um, yeah, that's a big one for me that I get triggered with. Any points on that? But Well, I do think, I completely get where you're coming from and I completely agree. But I also think that, you know, people are born and are bred into this society that is normalized it and I think it's really hard to break out of that and I think you could say this with anything we all think that we are making choices every day and the reality is that a lot of it is actually not anything we don't have the choice that we think that we do so I think that's part of it people thinking that they have all these choices it is um quite a lot to expect of people because it is a hard transition and it does take time and it takes hearing it a lot. And I think that's why it's really important to have these conversations when you can, because your mind just attaches the thing it sees a lot. Even if you see like an Instagram ad, if you see it multiple times, then you click on it. You know, it's the same thing with maybe veganism. I had to hear about it from quite a few people before I ever thought about it. But every single time I had one of those conversations, it added a little bit more possibility on a little bit more possibility. And then I started looking into it myself. So like even recently, my mum has given up chicken, which is very exciting. Now, it is just chicken, not the other meats. And I hope she's not just replacing the chicken with the other meats. But it's one wee step forward. And that's just because we've been talking about it and she's watched videos online. And then she's like, oh, and then but it's one step at a time. And we were the same. You know, we give up one thing and then we maybe give up another thing. Um, So, yeah, I mean, the personal choice thing, yeah. I kind of think it is and it isn't to the same extent because at the end of the day, people can actually choose what they want to eat as well. Playing devil's advocate, you can choose what you want to eat, whether it's personal choice or not. Yeah, I see what you mean. But that ties into the like philosophical argument of can implies ought, which means if you can do something, does that mean that you're therefore morally entitled to do it? So if we can make the choice to pick up the chicken, does that therefore mean that it's we're morally okay doing so? And having the choice, yeah, we can't deny that because it's put so nicely in the supermarket and it's probably marinated in barbecue sauce. But the moral side of that equation, I think, is more important to to realize the the consequences of your choice it's like a it's like a debate ought imply can does can imply ought if you can then should you basically and i don't think you should we can do many things that we choose not to do and i think that ultimately meat should be in that bracket just because we can choose it doesn't mean we should and i don't think we should I I could sorry one more point I could I could drive my car into that old lady crossing the street but that doesn't mean I should I know what you mean I know what you mean thank you very much that comes back to you saying about um eating meat because tribes have been doing it always so should we do it because they've always been doing it it's kind of a similar thing but do you know something just came to me there it's really funny when I was getting my tattoo I was getting a tattoo Mm -hmm. and I was talking about like veganism to the tattoo artist and um we were talking about culture I was saying about the podcast and how we recorded the episode called cultural carcass right (laughs) and I was like yeah I think a lot of people just don't want to be vegan because they like the taste of meat and he was like uh I think people don't want to be vegan because they don't want to be labeled a vegan (laughs) who would want to be a vegan (laughs) as in like like it's a bit cringed <laughs> vegan Savage. and I was like oh my god like this has added a new spin on it all to me because I think that was a part of the reason why I didn't want to be vegan as well at the beginning because it's like oh you don't want to be that vegan in the room you don't want to be that embarrassing person who is just like the odd one out in the corner what do you think about that <laughs> yeah yes but I think the narrative has really changed and it's now quite cool to be vegan I think that guy's opinion is the minority and it's maybe he's from a different country was he eastern european 
No. It's <laughs> <laughs> Northern Irish. Oh, right. <laughs> but there's certain countries where they're, they're, they are, their culture is often either like 50 or 20 or 10 years behind the UK or whatever. So they're they're just taking a while to catch up but i think in 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 the uk and in western europe it's it's the narrative has really changed and it's quite trendy and it's i think it depends what bubble you're in now i think he's quite sort of like a i mean if you're a tattoo artist i mean i've seen cool vegan tattoo artists as well to be fair but i don't know if maybe if you're more in the punk scene maybe it wouldn't be considered cool (laughs) I think it just depends what bubble you're in. Like, yeah. I think vegans are cool. Yeah. Like, when I meet someone in this area, they're vegan. I'm like, mm, be my friend. <laughs> Please be my friend. <laughs> like, I don't know. It just came to me. I thought I'd bring it up. Continue on. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, some other experiences or or or, or annoyances. Um, one thing that really gets under my skin, and I have, like, vivid memories of this, is we used to go to Deep Sea World quite a lot when we were younger which is an aquarium near the fourth bridge in Scotland. And um, they would have on the menu, on the kids' menu, these whale-shaped breaded fish things to eat for lunch. And I just think that that's so messed up on so many levels. So, like, we're going to this aquarium to look at fish. Normally, it's argued it's for conservation reasons that they have all these fish and not just for our entertainment. And then we're like oh good fish oh like oh it's so important to look after them look how beautiful they are and they're so cool and the kids love it and then they're eating fish for their lunch it's just mad it's just i think it's such an expression of how twisted and disconnected we are as a society like even having it as such a concrete example of a live fish dead fish we're still kind of like yeah but that's fine they fit into discrete categories and Therefore, it's fine. I can eat that one, but I can look at that one. I'm sure if you ask the children to go and kill the fish, fish them and, you know, cut them up and stuff, I think they would probably change their mind. But that just goes to show from such a young age, there's a disconnect, which is why I think people find it so hard to move away from that and why they think, you know, it is personal choice, like we were speaking before, because we're bred to be disconnected from the outdoors. I mean, it just goes to show with the amount of things that are used for our convenience like even when it comes to like cooking and stuff it's just packets of everything tins of everything there's a disconnect to anything nature not even animal related so it's no wonder that people find it hard to go vegan in the first place I guess when I was thinking about this, I was just kind of thinking about things that people latch on to. There's one night I went out and I got like really drunk and I went home and we got this like curry chip from this takeaway in Belfast. But it was like sort of an Indian place, but they had like, we asked for a curry chip and they ended up giving us like, it was like masala on tikka masala or something on chips. Mm. And like we got home and we were like drunk eating it. It was like really weird thing to be eating. And I was like convinced there was like wee bits of meat in it or something. Like as I'd started eating it, I was like, oh, I'm convinced there's bits of meat on it. And all the people in my work, I told them this story and they all mm-hmm. latched on to Oh, sure, she eats meat anyway. She ate, she ate meat on that night out when she was steaming. Like they would just always bring up, oh, but do you remember that time? They weren't even there, by the way. But they just bring this, bring this up all the time. Sure, you're eating that anyway. Like... Why are you latching on to that? Why are you dying for me to like feel at this thing? (laughs) Because people don't want you, people really don't want you to succeed, I don't think. I remember one of my managers was talking about veganism. He went through every one of those things in the book. And then he said, he said this in front of everyone. (laughs) What would you do if a cow came up and farted in your mouth? Would that make you not vegan? What a... (laughs) <laughs> um uh mm, i'm not uh <laughs> what do you answer to that like what do you answer to that is that actually your argument <laughs> but yeah i've had every everyone on the book especially in that job everyone was just really c- couldn't believe that there was a vegan in the house mm. like the cows mm-hmm. will take over the world argument that's always another one like if everyone went vegan all the cows would take over the world as if yeah 
as if everyone would go vegan at once first of all and also the cows are only alive to keep your belly happy like that's the only reason they wouldn't be there no they wouldn't but they're having an awful life anyway so they would rather not be there yeah and they probably wouldn't last that long either like the lifespan of a cow is actually really long but the lifespan of a cow in factory conditions because they're so um selectively bred and unwell and pumped full of antibiotics all the time they would die pretty quickly it wouldn't be a big issue for us to have to deal with I think these points that we've made um, ties in really nicely with what I guess is the overarching question of this whole episode, which is why are people so resistant to vegans? Yeah, and I think just to kind of, you know, sum up this episode um, quite nicely, in my in my opinion, why people are so resistant to vegans is because it puts their own life choices and morality under scrutiny and challenges the status quo, which has been put in place for sinister reasons. Like, world leaders that are influencing our culture and our society don't want empowered, conscious and happy people. They want unhealthy and unhappy consumers who are too distracted with their consumption to question the world leaders' actions. And therefore, veganism is very confronting for a lot of people. It challenges so much of our life on so many levels, But if you decide to make the switch, it can be one of the most empowering choices ever because it's like you're looking at society and you're like, actually, guys, I'm not so convinced with what you're doing over there and I'm going to do something differently. Yeah, I think when I see like that question, why are people resistant to vegans? I think people are just resistant to change in general. You know, people are so afraid of change all the time and, you know, the world is constantly changing. unavoidable but to make such a such a change that affects your everyday actions people just they don't want to know about it and you know you can see this every day with tragedies that are happening around the world and people are very resistant to know anything about it they're resistant to support those causes in any way but you do see the people who are so such activists about this and I love to see when you know, there's an extinction rebellion protest on the street or they're doing something crazy that really draws attention and that really shows that we need to change. It doesn't matter if you're resistant to it. It's a complete necessity yeah. for humanity at this point. Nice. So thank you very much for listening, everyone. This episode's been a little bit different to our usual ones. We've been drawing a lot on our personal experiences and the ridiculous arguments and circumstances that are often poised to vegans. Um, And we're hoping that if you're out there and you're a wannabe vegan or a seasoned vegan, that this will make you feel seen and heard and understood. But stick in there because you will come out on the other side and you won't get as triggered by these ridiculous points anymore and you'll feel fully empowered with your choices. Woohoo! Full empowerment! We'd love to hear from you. Um, get in touch with us. Um, you can t- reach out to our email, uh, dirtyvegetableswithaz at gmail.com or check out our Instagram and send us a DM at dirtyvegetableswithaz um, and let us know what arguments or frustrating situations have you been in in terms of your vegan journey (laughs) okay guys (laughs) thanks for listening thanks for listening (laughs) bye bye
Okay, we're going. So, recording. Um, stuck on a dial- desert island again. 